This is uh, Bud Patches reporting live from San Diego. We've got a weather report just outside of the pool as Wild West Hackenfest ends. And I've been informed by the hotel staff that I am no longer allowed to stay here as the conference has ended. <laughs> You'll notice, though, as we look at the five-day AccuSploit forecast for poolside as security continues to try and make me leave, uh, we have big IP coming in from the cloud. Now, there are real problems here. If you've got your management interfaces exposed to the Internet, expect rolling storms of botnets all through the week. You're going to want to patch quickly and make sure that you get your training because also coming up next week, we've got anti-siphon training right now this week to help you make sure that you can avoid these types of problems. Now, moving through our AccuSploit forecast, we noticed a large front of pond drop as people leave uh, Wild West Hackenfest. They've noticed the feelings and the positivity and they want to take it out into the field. But if you are noticing high pressure systems of pond drop coming in, Please register for Wild West Hackenfest Deadwood coming up in October. You can find details on wildwesthackenfest.com. Now, as you go out into the world, make sure that you've got your out-of-office messages set after 5 o'clock because we know that those late messages are going to come in about patching your systems and if their load balancers on Big IP are supported and not vulnerable. Coming to you live from San Diego, where security has told me they've called the police Bud patches. <laughs> hey, Bud, just talking about we've news. got a quick question. Don't we find it odd that a major exploit like this drops and it's not a Friday? That's true. Um, generally, uh, when we see weather systems like this develop on the internet with big IP and sitting on the edge, those storm fronts come in on a Friday. So what we Usually. know about this is that it's generally a large issue. It's going to cause a lot of damage. So check with your cyber insurance policies to see if those types of things are covered. <laughs> and by the way, Bud, uh, we're going to let you get back to it. We know you're out there on the street for us, just weathering the storm, just Absolutely. like that one guy, Jim Cantore. We really, really mm -hmm. appreciate all that you do. You stay safe. And remember, if security starts beating your ass, keep those cameras rolling, sir. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you, John. Bud Patches, just talking about news. Hello and welcome to another edition of Black Hills Information Security, talking about news. In this episode, we're going to be talking about CISO, we're going to be talking about Big IP, we're going to be talking about malicious Android apps, Russia's going to show up, Colonial Pipeline's going to make an appearance, we're going to talk about exploit dev and releasing exploits, pising companies, it's a lot to get started working on in just an hour. On this particular edition of Talk About News, I am joined by Serena, who still does not have her official computer from Black Hills Information Security. I am also joined by Ralph, BSD Bandit, Yip Yip, and Mubix, and Corey, uh, who we just spent way too much time together last week in San Diego, Wild West Hackenfest. As always, this is brought to you by Black Hills Information Security. If you're afraid that you've been hacked, you would like to be hacked, ethically and legitimately <laughs> or you would like to help pretend that you're not going to get hacked please contact black hills information security for all your hacking needs and for training be sure to check out anti-siphon let's get started i'm going to kick out the first news story um this is sissa's shields up i just put it in the private chat for everybody i i need to just kind of get this out you know i've been kind of bitching about sissa saying the top 170 vulnerabilities that everyone needs to start patching against um, as quickly as possible. And I hate that. I don't know if this is much better. It's um, like 600 now, just so you know. It's now 600. <laughs> just these vulnerabilities, that's it, executives like to say. But in this particular news story, they basically kind of went away from, hey, here's the patches that you should put in place. And instead, they basically said, here's the things you should do to protect your organization. And really, it just seems like the basics of a security policy, like enable two-factor authentication, patch your stuff, disable administrative interfaces, basically all the stuff that organizations should have been doing for years. I don't know. Does this actually help organizations? Or is it just too much data, too much motherhood and apple pie, not enough like right direction? Or is it just the right amount of direction? What do you all oh. think? I'll take apple pie for 100, John. All right. Let's go with apple pie then. 
So I think it's really good because um, now we have, I mean, the NIST standards are, are really long and it's really like to get management or anyone to look at a, a NIST standard to say, hey, this is a standard we have to match or meet. It goes to governance and then like it never comes back. Right. And then or we put it into policy and it never does anything. The cool thing about Shields Up, I think, is that it it's a very easy to consume like one pager sort of that I can show, say, hey, the U.S. government tells us we need to do this. And it's a lot easier to get the ball rolling. And I think that one of the things about about CISA doing this is that smaller organizations like, um, you know, municipalities or or, um, you know, county offices that have one person doing all of IT, not just security. This is a way for them to have some oomph um, going into getting budget or or fixing things. So while it might be security standard for a lot of us right now, as security professionals, we see larger organizations who can afford pen tests or stuff like that, that these smaller places, the you know, the IT shops that don't have that, this gives them that stick to get that budget to get those things done. Kind of going with that, I mean, you would basically say like the value and this isn't necessarily that security teams are going to be like, oh, I get it now. Um, but basically it's really, really, really simple. One page. It's a way of getting management kind of to understand, like, we don't have to say, we think that this is a good idea. We can literally go to like show CISA and say, this is what the government's telling us to do. We should at least do that. Right. Yep, exactly. I think that's like a really good point. From my experience working in production environments, there's usually a few different constraints. One would be downtime. So people don't want to do the migrations or upgrades because of downtime. The second would be budget constraints. And um, maybe people and budget constraints, meaning they can't put in new equipment that maybe their current equipment is end of life, end of uh, support. So they can't have upgrades, things like that. So that. I think that is a great way of being able to say, hey, we need budget to replace these things because we can't update them anymore. And this is going to be a problem. And, and I think it's interesting, you know, Rob, you had brought up like some of these standards are so voluminous. I noticed Huntress is pushing a whole bunch of advertising and Huntress is a good company. I really, really like Huntress and John Hammond and everything that they're doing there, but they're really pushing the NIST standards. And I feel uncomfortable anytime anyone is like, all you have to do is NIST this crap. And it's just, have you read the 853, which actually references about 95 other NIST standards? I know you have, right? Uh, but it's just like, it's so hard to, there's no place to like hook into it. It becomes overwhelming whenever it comes to prioritization. This reminds me of like a pen test report, basically, but just for everyone. It's like, it's like if you had to write a generic pen test report that just applies to every company somehow. You're like, all right, here's a pen test report, target. Report client, all companies. Here's <laughs> the findings. Here's the findings I would write. And and no, not to not to say anything negative about it, because it is like it's nice to have one page. And there's cool graphics. I mean that shield with an arrow pointing up. I mean, come on. That's pretty but, cool. Amazing. I always thought it was like Steve. No, what is what's the what was that guy's name that was running the website Shields Up? And he had that uh <laughs> was it Gibson? Steve Gibson. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right? Steve Gibson, Jesse. Yeah. And it kind of looks like his logo. Uh, so I always get confused. <laughs> People are like, look at this awesome stuff from Shields Up. And I'm waiting for like plate spin to give me recommendations on how we can improve the performance of my hard drive. <laughs> this is a right. really old series of references for you all. But uh, some of us get it. <laughs> but yeah, at the same time, I mean, some of these things, it's like, oh, just ensure that software is up to date. All right, hold on. That creates 800 subtasks. Or like, <laughs> confirm that all personnel have disabled ports and protocols that are not essential for business purposes. Okay, that's a six-month project. We'll get back mm -hmm. to you. Like You said six months? Sorry, six-year project. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So it is, but it's nice to have a pen test report that applies to every company. It's like, we didn't do a pen test for you, but CISA did, basically. here. It, it's like an email I would send to a client. They're like, what should we do? I'm like, well, everything. Here's a list, right? Yeah. <laughs> So all right, moving on. on. Let's talk about pen test reports because that that triggered me a little bit. No, um, it's triggered. It hurt. Uh, so the next story is the big IP uh, vulnerabilities. I mean, there was multiple vulnerabilities that were patched and were released. 
Um, the one that we're the most interested in is an authentication bypass in the administrative interface, which I think has a score of a 9.8. We're constantly oh. waiting for like the 10 point. Man, right? What do you need to get a 10? You know, I already said, if you pay for like CVE platinum, you just are never yeah, given a 10. Give an it's, eight, eight, yeah. like, it's like, the, it's like you pay for the subscription. They're like, we'll never give you a 10, but only 9.8. <laughs> anything, anything other than that. Right. So this one I, I think is interesting because I think it was last week we yes. were i was arguing with another customer and with most of you on this on this call i've talked to you about pen test reports where we say publicly accessible administrative interfaces and we we've kind of th th go all over the place on the pen test report you know sometimes we put it in medium and sometimes it's informational and the customers always push back but damn it Every time this happens where there's an exploit in the administrative interface, I feel a little bit justified. And <laughs> I, I, I'm thinking at BHIS that if your administrative interface is exposed to the open internet, I'm just going to start making it a high. <laughs> and I wanted to get y'all's opinion on that because it seems to me like it's an easy fix that you can shut down and it makes a lot of these vulnerabilities go away. Johannes uh, from the SANS Institute, it was interesting. He had a quote. He said, usually I tell people to patch the damn thing, then make configuration changes. But in this situation, I'm going to recommend the opposite. I recommend mm -hmm. that you make the configuration changes, close off the administrative interface, and then install the patches for it. So what do you all think? Like I said, I, I'm thinking about just making this a freaking high because <laughs> there's a ton of these vulnerabilities coming out. Well, off the rip, it should be a high. I mean, literally, it's exposed to the internet and it's a extra it's an admin interface that's that should be a high off the rip then two again and I, I totally agree disable it first then patch it and then for verification purposes after it's patched make sure that that admin console and just 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 for sanity reasons make sure that that admin console has not been re-enabled after the patch has been applied. Because, I mean, we've seen that before, too, where you patch something and a service gets turned back on. That's yeah. a good point. Now, Serena, you've probably spent more time than any of us on administrative interfaces on different customer networks over the years. Do you have any idea, like, if you're thinking percentage, how many of the customers that you've seen actually have these things exposed to the open internet? And you've just kind of been like, oh, God, I can't believe they did this again. Um, honestly, not many at all. Like, that's kind of why I'm with you in saying this is high, because I would like to see the argument of why they would need their management interface on the open internet. Um, there's not really good reasons, at least that I've heard so far, that justify the risk. And so, yeah, I would agree. I think this is high. You shouldn't, you shouldn't have any of those management interfaces facing the open web. And I honestly don't think it has anything to do with how hard it is. I think it's just them trying to get the overall rating for their pen test report or assessment report <laughs> down. Like, that's all that they care about. They're like, well, we noticed that you got us at a high, found these admin interfaces. And really, how often has that ever been exploited? Helps answer those questions. So I do have a little bit of context. I'll play the devil's advocate here, right? I agree okay. that uh, like a lot of admin interfaces should not be exposed, right? There's like uh, lots of reasons why. But, you know, on the flip side, right? I mean, Office 365, right? Your SharePoint administration interface is open too if you just have the right credentials, right? But mm -hmm. I think it comes to like that, that authentication portal being designed for more of an open internet face than the other, uh, what is it? applications that we're talking about that were never really designed or hardened to be in that environment right and that and you know anytime you have an administrative interface open you are interface in in general you should be asking yourself do i need this publicly exposed like what is the business case that requires this and you know 99.9 .9 of the time you can use some other kind of vpn or other authentication mechanism yeah. to you know to you know limit your risk yeah, no, and that's why a lot of companies are going with Cloudflare and using some of their utilities to restrict access to those interfaces. Because, I mean, if we do come back to it and we say, hey, this is an administrative interface and you need to shut it down, almost every company that's running in Azure is just going to be like, how? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, what do you, is there another switch I need to turn on? Like, I don't, yeah. I don't get it, right? So, Enable yeah. Defender. Just enable enable defender. defender. It's fine. <laughs> so, um, can I, so, I mean, I, I will say, I, 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 one situation I've observed a lot on clients is it's like an ISP device that they don't have control over. They're like, 
yeah, our traffic flows through it, but we can't log into it. And I'm like, well, it has exposed Telnet on the internet. And they're like, it's whatever. It's just an ad, you know, but so that might be a scenario if it's like someone deployed this for you and you don't have control, you know, it's time to reach out to that person or ISP or whoever they are and be like, it's a 9.8. Now you can finally listen to us, please. Yeah. So Rob, you were going to say something. Yeah, sorry. Um, so I, I agree that in general, a, an ad management interface <clears throat> warrants a high, but I think that this, this F5 interface is specifically the exploit, the authentication bypass, which gets, goes past any kind of authentication, as it says, warrants way more than that. So for a lot of reasons, one in particular is this is an appliance Right. So one of the things about appliances is that very rarely do you monitor them. Right. You don't have you don't have an EDR on your appliance. If That's someone exploits this bug, they're going to be in that system forever. Like unless there's a full firmware update. Right. So this is this is even worse from an, from my point of view. Appliances are even worse than like a zero day in Chrome or a zero day in you know even SMB for that matter. Because at oh. least I know that I can clean up something on Windows, right? I can, for the most part. If it's on an appliance, I won't know it's there. Like, if someone's exploited this, there's way too many ways to, like, stay in and get in and stay in. And you have to rely on, like, web logs or whatever, whatever F5 or any other um, whatever management uh, service on that system, on that appliance, gives you. Like, uh, I think oh, it was... Wait a minute. Wait a minute, though. That that brings up a logging question. Mm -hmm. Seriously, I know that this is kind of weird, but how many of our customers have we actually seen have logging on these types of devices enabled? I bet you a lot have logging for... So F5 is a load balancer, right? So you get the logs yeah. from everything coming in to the load balancer. That mm -hmm. doesn't include the management interface. Yeah. So, so I'm like... There are login logs, like, yes. you know, on the device itself. Um, but a lot of these... Uh, appliances are managed through some type of third party, you know, system like ICE. You could, you know, I've seen lots of um, F5s integrated in with ICE for authentication. Like but that, but which, they have that capability. But mm -hmm. how often have we seen organizations actually having those logs sent somewhere to manage them? <laughs> Very rarely. <laughs> yeah. Um, and not a lot. And that's <laughs> like, F5 does have the ability to log the management logs, but a lot of like other appliances don't, right? You'll never, you'll never, or you used to, I don't know anymore, but like used to not even have, like if you had carbon black, right? You didn't have yeah. any logs of who was logging in and when, like, so if someone exploited your cloud instance of carbon black, someone could get root access to any system they want and you'd have zero logs for it. Like as, as security professionals, right? And, and uh, tools that we use, we have to start holding those appliances, those devices accountable for the things that we do on them as well. And so getting back to the F5, though, this management interface can be listening on 8100, 8443, 8443. And I think the other one I've seen is like 443. So mm -hmm. you can have the management interface listening and not even know it. So, and yeah. I don't quite agree with BSD Bandit where he's saying turn off the interface because like, how am I going to manage the system if it's well, off? But you can do things like firewall rules. You can do things like, you know, you, Cloudflare. You can do mm -hmm. some level of protection on it. I Absolutely. agree. Just shutting it off completely can be very, very, very difficult, but you can at least restrict it. So, Serena, you going to say something? Oh, never mind. I was just thinking um, if you were talking about shutting off the management interface from a like outside perspective like for it not being facing the open web i mean as long as you can still log in with your credentials on like a vpn or whatever that should mm -hmm. be fine the other thing about logs is their logs will be saved locally until it rolls over and typically local logs are it saves a lot if you're just talking about like admin login which i would say most of the time is probably all you'll see as a local login because you should be, you know, doing authentication through some other method aside from a local login besides admin. <laughs> so you should be able to log into that device and that see LEC log stored on that local device if there was a login. And so this is, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, and BSD Bandit, just to clarify, 
I think that this mm-hmm. is kind of what you meant, not just like shutting it down completely, but like restricting no, kind access. of restricting yeah. access. <laughs> yeah. But um, let's I, let's clarify restricting access, though. Just mm-hmm. getting it off the Internet is not enough. If it's on your local network or your oh. corporate network, that is still bad. Like this is no. root access. Yeah. If, if go... I fish you and find find an F5, <laughs> I have root access like that's still I'm, bad. I'm going to go with less bad. But I think it's debatable well, less bad. how much less bad it actually is. <laughs> well, I mean, one of the other things we got to think about too is how many of the recent breaches we've seen from partners, where it's like, how many of those partners are part of your local network that don't have any of the other controls that you've got that to detect these mm. things? Like, I've got the the F five big IP page up right now for indicators of compromise and whatnot. Look at, and they're they're recommending all the same things we're talking about, but even if you're restricting that management interface just mm-hmm. to your network, how many people legitimately have access to your network? And do you know what those people are doing? Right. Yeah. That's a good question. Yeah. Well, they will patch it, at least for the newer versions of the appliance. It'll be I'm going to go say something contentious. I'm just waiting for security to uh, start pushing that so, exact narrative <laughs> and basically talking about how they can charge. I got one more thing you. about... Go ahead, Rob. Sorry. Mm-hmm. I got oh. one more thing about patching. Um, so the, the F5s themselves are load balancers, right? They have, they're balancing the load on your web applications. So we have to be also empathetic on patching these things because you take this down, you might be taking down your revenue for the entire company. Yeah. Right. So, um, resiliency and, and duplicate, uh, um, uh, systems to patch one while one's offline. That's all super important. If you don't have that, then. Um, it's going to take you a while to patch. And even though the patch is out, like we have to be a little empathetic when it comes to getting this thing fixed. Yeah. I I, I think for these types of things, like um, I think the group, I can't remember the name of the research company, Rob, you probably know them, but the research firms actually has a proof of concept exploit um, that they're planning on dropping next week, um, which I love it. They're like, we're going to get people a week and start the patch. I'm like, oh, that's good. Oh, wow. Oh, it, the proof of concept's already out. It was out this weekend. Oh, yeah. it was? Big, that was the big news. I think with Big IP, though, um, you're able to update that without having any downtime, but I'd have to double check. So I know that's like a big you know, thing. If you need to do an emergency change window, I think you're able to update that management interface without... Because I think they do live patching. I think it's like um... now. Does every F five administrator know that though? Sometimes that I've seen with F five and oversubscription. So mm-hmm. if you have a load balancer that is oversubscribed, maybe has too many, um, you know, too many rules or different mm-hmm. things like that. Uh, it can be a problem when you go to reboot it and it might not boot back up. And I've seen that more specifically with people that do like SaaS or any type of hosting where they have a ton of different people coming in and out. So that is something to consider as well. I mean, it might be more of a corner case, but that's still going to be happening. Yeah. If you're losing a million dollar revenue for the day it was down, you have a million reasons to get a better infrastructure together, right? (laughs) This gets into, okay. This gets into, this gets into like normalization and how we change the conversation and security, right? Because we have organizations that are so shy for patching and they basically are saying things like, well, you know, if we're down, then it's going to cost us this much. It's a 9.8. You know, if you have to pick, and your executive team should pick either A, you're going to patch this and there is a small chance of this creating downtime, or B, we don't patch and it's going to get popped like in the next week or so. We got to normalize the conversation of saying, let's take the risk with patching. I think that that's where the industry has to start going. And I understand that that's a really simplistic, e- easy thing to say, but I feel like for a lot of us, you know, gray beards, and I'm not talking about Ian in particular, uh, but for a lot of us great beards, when we came up like in the early years, crap, things went down constantly from patches. It doesn't happen as much. It absolutely does happen, but it doesn't happen as much as it used to. Uh, so we have to get better. And I, oh, this get, brings up, you know, we talked about it last week in the news when we were in San Diego. I, I still feel like most CISOs 
their role in the company is to be the fall person for whenever a breach or something like this does happen to basically create protections for the people up above them. Um, this kind of ties into that whole entire thing of how we're going to be looking at security in the organizations moving forward, honestly. I do have, and maybe this has been answered, I haven't done the research on it yet, but Big IP um, also works with Big IQ, which is their centralized system for if you have multiple load balancers like Big IP. Hopefully Big IQ doesn't have the same issues that Big IP is having. Um, does anybody know that at this point? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Not at this point. Because <laughs> I could be worse. <laughs> <laughs> potentially i mean hopefully it would not have that same issue but because mm -hmm. they're very very similar products aside from big iq is just the centralized where you hook up all of your f5s into that one central system and control all of your f5s from your centralized system because then you would just have access to one load balancer you'd have access to the mm -hmm. entire environment and some people are running a lot of load balancers as the uh, user wading through logs just said, uh, how can we leverage AI to fix this? <laughs> you mean Wade, your co-backstreet slash hackstreet boys member? Yeah, man. Um, Wade. Yeah. See yeah, how fast the, the band breaks up? I know. Well, you know, there's been some drama in the Hackstreet Boys, but anyway, yeah, it's, we're going to come I, back. I do think it's a win that it says Sans estimates there's like a thousand of these exposed. Like it, five years ago, that would have been like 20,000 or 50,000. Right. Like, I, you know, I, I it is... That's less than you would expect, in my opinion. Uh, just a note, uh, John looks like he disappeared. Uh, so yeah. He's probably Ralph, got abducted again. Ralph, you're in charge now. Oh, uh -oh. Yeah. we're screwed, guys. Fail. So, <laughs> didn't, I see that, didn't I see from Sands that, like, the, or someone, at least someone from Sands on Twitter saying that the number of exposed back um, in 2019, or the last vulnerability on eye control, was uh 10,000 it went up to 15,000 like it's actually increased not decreased the the number of exposed online yeah i'm not sure i'm just in the article it specifically says sans believes there are likely around a thousand exposed devices mm -hmm. so so oh, I, I think going. there's way more than that. Yeah, <laughs> I think they were being nice with that number. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't there's know. There's a I mean, thousand it. devices we found so yeah. far. That's a question for HD Moore. Get him on the show. Get him on <laughs> ASAP. So, Serena, you you had mentioned not uh, not having a chance to look at while while you were talking. I pulled up that article and I pasted into the YouTube comments. I think you're 100 percent right. Um, it does not require a reboot. However, even uh, F5 mentions that you may want to still schedule a downtime window because there's a bunch of ARP and GARP announcements that might need to come back up and actually reconfigure. Mm -hmm. So you might actually lose connectivity. And I'll tell you right now, that's the one that's going to make people slow down. They're like, whoa, it's going to be unavailable. We're going to have to get engineers on the line, even if it's just a blip. But yeah. no, agree. I mean, when I was doing maintenance windows and recommending mm -hmm. fixes, I'd always, always 100% of the time say to have a down like a, a window available mm -hmm. just in case. I mean, 98% of the time it was fine unless you know that there is an existing issue, maybe like database corruption or like I said before, oversubscription because people like to push <laughs> their F5s, they're pricey, right? So yeah, hopefully that doesn't happen. And I'd probably assume most people would not experience that, but doing it during a time of, you know, least congestion mm -hmm. or not everybody's on the network would probably be the best yeah. option. Always why? No, I, and I agree with you. I think that it, if it doesn't require a reboot, you need to do it. Go, go with that. Oh, oh there's John. <laughs> hey, I'm back. Everybody, dad's back. I'm back. Yeah, my, I threw my phone on the dash to get better cell phone reception, and then the sun came out, uh -huh. and it cooked my phone. Um, oh, so my. <laughs> over Melted it. That's my day. Like The internet goes down, and now I'm out in the middle of the woods by my, uh, my telco shed trying to uh uh trying to get my internet being for lumen out here because they're like we're gonna send out a tech as soon as possible and that's like three hours ago oh um, my yeah so, plus how do you google for anything the bison now we're getting them out there yeah, we are we are <laughs> the internet so, goes down you can't google how to fix the internet yeah it's no, you're, you're no, screwed what are you no, gonna do i've got to do it on on 5g networks um so <laughs> The next story, how to cook a, pe a pixel. Um, <laughs> this one, this one kind of bothers me too. And I can't speak to the specifics of it because uh, BHIS was uh, hired by Colonial Pipeline. 
but I can speak in general. There is a federal regulator. Um, it is not, it's some kind of weird organization. PHMSA uh, has proposed penalties for Colonial Pipeline of $986,000. It's the Pipeline and Hazardous Materials Safety Administration. Now, there's a couple of things about this that are a bit earned for me. One, I personally have a fear if we start penalizing companies that get breached. I, I have a fear that a lot of organizations are just going to go dark and not talk about when they've been breached. The other thing is, with this particular situation, uh, what the hell, I'll just speak. You know, if I get in trouble, I get in trouble. So if we look uh -oh. at what uh, with the Pipeline Hazardous Materials Safety Administration, their job is to make sure that pipelines are safe. Colonial Pipeline saw that there was a breach on their network. And before it actually got to their OT network segments, they shut down. They basically did fail secure. And I, I don't understand. Like, sometimes I feel like these organizations are like, well, we have to do something. We have to blame. We have to import, impose fines. Are we going to start getting into a different organizations that are trying to impose fines just to show that they're being tough on cyber breaches? Or does Colonial Pipeline deserve it? I can't quite speak that one at all. But mm -hmm. um, I, I do think it's interesting that whenever what they've said publicly We've seen on dozens of companies in the past few months. So I'd like to get your takes on the idea of finding companies that have been compromised. Ooh. Depends. Was there yeah. rules in place right now that they were already avoiding? Like anytime I've seen PCI or any sort of, now PCI isn't a regulatory standard, it's a contractual standard, but it's one that most people know versus the you know chemical safety, whatever. If they've had time to ramp up and they've been you know given some sort of guidance that says these are the things that you must do, to make sure that you're compliant with whatever standards we have and you have this amount of time to do it, then yeah, absolutely find them to the moon. If this is a reactionary function of we're going to find you to show the others they need to do stuff, then no, I don't think it's really, really fair at all. I feel like it's how do you appeal to the executives of these companies? Is the carrot or the stick Money. more effective? Right? Money. Money. Um, I Money. Mean, also, I mean, just to be honest, they already paid 4.4 mil in Bitcoin, so... <laughs> it's, it's nothing. I mean, it's such a small fine, right? I mean, it's not that. Remember, that, that, some of that back. Remember, right. it's a small. It's a, did. it is Thank a you. very small that. amount. I mean, for a large company, this is nothing. I mean, mm -hmm. um, it is. I'm sure it's bigger than like the fines they're giving out for PCI. They're like, oh, all right, well, you have to pay for dinner next time. But um, basically, <laughs> the uh, you know the hundred or the a near million dollar fine. I, I guess I don't know. Maybe someone with experience in this industry can tell me. But from my perspective, having worked with that. I feel like it's there is not a priority on security. I do agree with you, John, that like you don't want to just beat people up when they get hacked because then they'll be like, I never got hacked. Nothing happened at all. <laughs> um, so but at the same time, maybe it'll get executives to kind of, uh, you know, pay attention to the bottom line and be like, well, this is a million dollars that just leaked out of our account because we screwed up. So where, where does that million dollars go? Is there like a it's like a fund for to help? Innocent ransomware victims or something. Just say a regulatory commission. Yeah, so. there's two sides <laughs> of the fine, right? They're going to use it to, they're, they're going to establish their organization that no one's ever heard of. They're going <laughs> <laughs> to. No, it's the yeah, Derek Zoolander fund for companies that don't uh, you know, deal with security don't, so good. Don't, and don't, uh, do security good and stuff. Yeah. Erlich Luras said, "How do we hold companies accountable?" Uh, without some type of accountability, will anything change? Um, I, I know the libertarians will say the free market will set this. I, I don't it think that's work with, with oil companies. Um, you know, but so how the hell do we start holding companies accountable across the board? Because I, I think, like, if you talked about PCI, PCI basically says if, if you're hacked, then therefore you are not PCI compliant. Which is weird. <laughs> That's like um, the easiest rule ever to make. <laughs> it's a little strange. Yeah. So, but but I think it's always easy because there's always a way mm -hmm. in, right? There's mm -hmm. always a way in. There's always a control that's going to fail. And I just really, really don't know. Uh, they're not fine because they were hacked. It's because they didn't have procedures in place. Still, that's a pretty hefty fine for not having procedures. And once again... Yeah. Are we going to make that the standard? Companies don't have the right procedures because yeah. Does PG oh, get wow. fined when something catches on fire yeah. and it takes down half the Western Seaboard? <laughs> no, they don't. I mean, maybe yeah. they do, but not like this. Not publicly and not 
very you know we've fines are sufficient because they could basically just put that fine in their budget you know and that's what a lot of these companies do is they're like all right we'll just add this to our budget and just in case we get fined for this because it's cheaper for them to pay that fine or add that fine to their budget than do the work to secure yeah, uh, sorry, you're you're 100 percent right because mm -hmm. that's I mean that was the purpose with GDPR going to a completely different regulation where there where you can't arguably budget that in because one of the highest tier fines is one percent of global revenue. If you're a Facebook, that that like Facebook or other company, that stings. One percent, mm -hmm. no matter what, stings. That's, and that's anything yeah, else. You're GDPR. right. They budget. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Now there's yeah. a lot of people yeah, saying so income. There's a lot of people saying that they didn't properly. Uh, the procedures in Facebook to restore operations. And I find that funny too, because there are very, very few companies that can go, go that far shut down, come back. Like I think it took them a week, uh, maybe a little bit less to come back. But uh, but I'm telling you, there's a ton of companies that would not recover very easily. Like, well, are, are we encouraging deep. that? Is that is that really something we're encouraging? Like, oh yeah, you got to plan for shutting down your whole Total network shutdown. just in case. <laughs> Bringing the whole thing back up. You know, that's like, to that's, repeat, baby. Right. That's not like is that is that really what we're pushing companies? Like, don't worry about security. Just be ready to turn everything off and then turn it back on within a day. There was a tweet I saw that was interesting. Someone said basically mm -hmm. like, what's your procedures for restarting your Well, the first thing that we're going to do is we're going to bring up controllers. And they're like, great, you're domain controlling on VMware. Yeah, so we're going to bring up domain controllers. Yeah. But in order to authenticate into VMware, you need to authenticate to the domain can start up VMware. And it just, it. so what I'm saying is this is a lot more complicated. And I can totally see, I can totally see regulators that are like, well, duh, you should know how to do this. It's like, Oh, it's so much more complicated than you think it is. Okay. And it's John, not, yeah, it's not where we're training. It's not where we should be training companies. Yeah, we, we have a solution. Did you know that? I have it in my hand. What uh -oh. we have here is the 2022 risk acceptance stamp. Now, <laughs> management accepts the risk stamp. You can take whatever vulnerability you have behind. You take the stamp, you put it in the room, and boom, risk accepted. And that's nice. it. Regulators can't come for you. No. Everything's fine. Hackers see this on the door. Mm. They're not coming around. in. Yeah. I don't know if they can afford that with a revenue of four hundred and twenty uh, million dollars, but maybe. <laughs> yeah. Or that, that yeah. was their profit to them yeah. for half their fine. <laughs> wow. What okay, a bargain. But if it, only if it comes in every color, because I need it for different mm -hmm. contrasting on different machines. Right. <laughs> oh, and you can turn it into an NFT and sell it so you can get some of that revenue oh, back. Yeah, oh, yeah. They can digitally. Ooh, there you go. The yeah. There you go. <laughs> That's how blockchain can help. Yes. There you go. Look at that. We need an Adobe plug-in, too, so we can sign it. Did someone say NFT? Because I get summoned if someone does. <laughs> we need some NFT. Oh, we're sorry. We got a little off track. Yeah, are you here to, like, are you here to like slap people around and be like, no, bad. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Right. So hmm. this next, the next uh, story um, I really like, too. The Hacker News released this story that was basically another set of Joker-laced uh, malware for mobile devices, which I'm holding mine in front of the air conditioning right now. Um, mm -hmm. So apparently, uh, oh, cool. attackers are taking legitimate apps, downloading them that they can get with source code, inserting malware, re-uploading it up to the Apple Store and the Google Play Store, and then convincing users to install it on their devices. And there's a couple of things that I like about this story. One, everyone should go see Corey Doctorow's presentation, The Coming War on General Purpose Computing, where he talked about how Microsoft and Apple want everybody to buy everything through their store so they have complete control over it. And of course, their gig is, well, it's going to be more that way. But the reality is they have better control of ads and the revenue coming off. And this is this is monkey's paw, I think, Microsoft and Google and Apple. Be careful what you wish for. Because if they're like, it's going to be more secure and you literally have millions and millions of apps getting loaded, the ability of actually implementing and monitoring the security across all of those apps is not trivial. In fact, if you look at the difficulty in just doing standard software security today, dispersed across you know hundreds of thousands of companies, we still have vulnerabilities like BigFix's vulnerability that has tons of security engineers, and they're cracking good. Do we really think that Microsoft, Google, 
and Apple can actually go through and secure every one of their apps. So this, this, this makes mm. me smile. <laughs> tons, tons of malware. I don't think it's something that Apple, Google and Microsoft can possibly get their hands around. Isn't so, this why Apple's pulling all the old apps from their uh, app store? There's like a whole like cleansing they're doing right now on all yeah. these old apps. There was a big article about it, and this probably has to do with, with a lot of that, right? They're like, what? This thing hasn't been updated in 10 years? What does oh, this thing yeah. even do? Well, you know? you and obviously, it's a, yeah, <laughs> obviously it's, it's a, a what is it, QR scanner? It's a scanner? game where you, where you sling birds at pigs. Frappy why, birds. <laughs> why would why would anybody buy that? That sounds boring. No, it's really addicting. So you slingshot birds at pigs. <laughs> I don't know, man. We better remove that. That sounds sketchy. Sounds like I, I, I do think you're you're right that like you can't yeah. always vet everything that like malware makes it through. But at the same time, this seems like a pretty egregious example because literally they just put like a sleep function after it was vetted. Like that, was, <laughs> it's, like, it's like guys, come on, that's like the number one thing you think of. You can't just be like sleep nine thousand. Oh no, yeah. it's not malware. You, just have to, you have to go to six hours. That's we, how you get to win the sleep game. Yeah, we, we tried go. running the app for thirty seconds and it didn't do anything. So I think it's fine. Just put it yeah. up. Like that's you know I. I do think yeah. Google is a little bit kind of on blast here for not catching this. And also, it's a copy of another app. Like, dude, it's not that hard to run heuristics on the code and be like, that's weird. This code's 99% the same, except for this <laughs> one URL that's definitely not malware. <laughs> like, huh, what's that about? Like, why, I mean, it, <laughs> why, am I getting, why am I getting um, smart contract vibes when you just said that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, that's yeah. A, Identical, That's a right? good point. Monitor. Yeah, you could totally do it. Yeah, we talk about it's this all on the crypto the same podcast scam, all the time. You can monitor. Yeah. For your code being used by other people, and mm -hmm. yeah, it's not—it's not impossible. Uh, but yeah, I mean, malware always makes it through, right? It's like life mm -hmm. finds a way, you know. Like <laughs> malware finds a way. Malware uh, finds a way. Yes. Oh, I on a t-shirt. The shirt really far. I'm not gonna go. <laughs> That's like on a t-shirt. Malware finds a way. Well, there it is. <laughs> well, there it is. And then it could be like grass growing out of like cement. Right. <laughs> yeah. So John's already emailed me. I've already forwarded it to the graphic designer. The uh, we're working oh, on the malware, malware finds a way. way. Oh I, my god! I've, I've Are you thinking like a little backstage who wants in? Yeah, we gotta let John back in. I think. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, John. Welcome back. Uh, John, I, we have a new shirt while you were We going. have a new t-shirt. Yeah, we have He's a new t-shirt. We have t-shirt like, ideas of yeah. plenty. I, 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 I love the fact that this is my sticks while I'm getting pissed off. They're not like, what's with this John Strand guy and his connection? There's a lot of people like, oh, <laughs> this is what it was like in the before times, folks. It was like this all Ooh. the time. Oh, the early days. Yeah. Malware always finds a way in. Yeah. That got me thinking about that. <laughs> but at the same time, Google could have done better and they should do better. And it's not that do hard better, to be like, Google. this is a 99% copy of another app and has one line added that sleep 9000, then execute malware. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah. It's a little bit more complicated than that, right? Or it can be, but maybe it's sleep for like two hours and then execute. You know? <laughs> <laughs> six is the magic number. You I mean, always it, get it, it with specifically six says that it just was designed to wait until the vetting period was over and then turn oh. into malware. So, <laughs> is there a public vetting about, period? Yes. Look at what we were talking oh about God. in San Diego. We were talking about VPN services, legitimate VPN services, and you literally become an open redirect proxy for other customers. Like, but they don't true. log your data though. Well, but I guess it's like, what is malware, right? That's like the conversation there, right? Is is being part of a botnet malware? Kind of, yeah, but at yeah, the same time, kinda. like they're not stealing your data, but they are like wasting your data. Like they are, you know, I don't know. Nothing's free. That game where you shoot the little pig, it's not free. <laughs> not free. <laughs> Wait, are you telling me all the money I spent on pig coins is worthless now? No, no, those are totally worth something. They're NFTs. It's, okay. It's big. Yeah. The year 2038, when a Unix bug finally hits, yeah, that's... Hmm. <laughs> I mean, to continue the Jurassic Park, you know, analogy, some things are a T-Rex trying to eat your Ford Explorer, and some things are just, you know, little brontosauruses <laughs> eating in a field by themselves. But uh, Which one's trying to eat the lawyer on the toilet? <laughs> Velociraptor. That's ransomware. Velociraptors yeah, are Velociraptors ransomware. move quick, and they're smart. Clever yes. girls. Before yeah. we go to the next story, does everyone know the lyrics to the Jurassic Park song? 
Oh, oh God, you're gonna do it. You're gonna do I'm it. I'm gonna do it, Ralph. I'm gonna do it. <laughs> you're do a it. dinosaur. So, I'm a dinosaur. We're all dinosaurs. Go look up the lyrics. I'm a dinosaur. Oh, Jesus. You ruined everyone's day. Thank you for This is why we usually have Ryan running it. I don't know about you all. I couldn't resist the dinosaur. Now oh. I've got Denver the Dinosaur song in my head. Denver <laughs> the Dinosaur. He's oh. my friend and a whole lot more. more. Oh, God. Right. Sorry, this we got karaoke from the mind after San Diego. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're recovering from that. All right. So I've got the next story. Um, I want to make it the last story. Uh, FBI is basically saying that business email compromise. I, I always find it interesting how they come up with the dollar amounts, but the FBI, I'm inclined to believe is 43 billion dollars um i sorry what 43 billion (laughs) dollars for business email compromise is it like one dollar an email like how are they yeah because a lot of companies that get hit they do actually report to the fbi well it actually says two hundred and forty one thousand complaints were locked that's so much i know it's absolutely insane and the thing that gets me the most about this the level of technology on this is not that high. Like a uh-huh. tremendous number of the business email compromises are just basically send an email and saying, we need to reroute from this, uh, this bank account number to this bank account number instead. And it's over, or you pretend to be the CEO and you say, um, we in- immediately need to transfer a hundred thousand dollars over to this account. I mean, we spent a lot of time talking about some really scary technical stuff, but it seems the attackers are doing just fine with like low tech hacking. See, I would never fall for that because I don't check my email. So no, that's classic, <laughs> classic. <laughs> so it could be business Twitter compromises then next year. Yeah, take me on Twitter, then maybe yeah, they they tweeted me. No, 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 no. Daddy Elon's gonna fix everything. I, I love that <laughs> somebody said you could buy Twitter for that amount of money, but let's remember. <laughs> You can end world hunger like five times or four times over yes. with yes. that much money. Like, our, as human beings, our perspectives suck. So, so, one of the things I just did in the background here is I, t- I pulled up that report. It says $43 billion, 241206 That's $178 per reporting. I can totally believe that. I was on the phone with, I forget who I was meeting with, but they were telling me about internally in their organization i won't say who or get into the details but they were hitting marketing people or administrative assistants and they were saying hey we've got this event going on easy enough to look up that they're going to be in an event or they're going to have a booth and i need you to go buy 200 amazon gift cards and they're using business email compromise because it's coming from one of the marketing people and they're like yeah no problem here you go here's your 200 amazon gift cards boom done and the only way they knew about it was later somebody said oh yeah that was weird I think this is funny, Jason, because like a few weeks ago, I sent you a request. I need 3,000 copies of Backdoors and Breaches for the Ninja <laughs> yeah. Conference. And he actually did confirm that with me. Um, he yes. was like, Are you sure 3,000 seems mm-hmm. like a lot? Because now we know what 3,000 looks like. It's a whole freaking palette of, yeah. of these cards. But so. if you did that, you, you know we give them away for free, right? You don't need to... <laughs> Uh, speaking of which, John, I do need 50 Amazon gift cards. Approved. Approved. Yes. Oh my <laughs> God. Apparently, I approve everything but Serena's notebook computer. Oh. <laughs> Jason, I just remembered oh, something. Like, this was back in 2019. Johnny, I don't even know if you know this. Jason messaged me because on stage at DEF CON when I won Whose Slide, you had said, Oh, we're going to send you a gift card. And Jason sends me this most confused message. And he's like, John told me to send you a hundred dollar gift card. Why? I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> send me money. <laughs> Was that supposed to be the cold word? <laughs> John's trying to like remember that moment and like actually the request and uh, yeah, yeah. I'm rolling blanks right now. Yeah. I, I do a lot of shit like that. John's like, I didn't do that. I need I a whole lot of phone. something sent, and you're like, it's expensive. Spare no expense. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Oh, jeez. Oh. Well, soon I'm going to be hacking on an iPad, so maybe <laughs> I can use one of those guitars. <laughs> iOS, it's, it's, it's the new hack platform. Yeah. I, don't know. I was about to say, I heard from Tim Apple that we don't need 
computers yeah, anymore. We need a $400 keyboard and an iPad Pro. Yeah, that's, that's it. it. You got everything. That's mm. all. That's everything. Yeah. I'm so yes. happy that this is One. the future we've created for ourselves. <laughs> this is the future. I still go back to the Matrix and that scene where Agent Smith was telling Nino, Neo, this is the 90s. This is the <laughs> pinnacle of your civilization. And I'm like, no way. Now I look back and it's like, Mm, yeah, kind of, kind of <laughs> seems that way. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's it. I'm tapped out for for news stories because that's the only relevant things that have happened in the past couple of weeks. Only mm. things at all that have happened whatsoever. Nothing, nothing else. Nothing. Just wait till well, next week else. where well, we have a lot more. I've got some, I've got some Supreme <clears throat> Court stories we could talk about, but I've been told that we're not allowed to do that here. That's no. not... That's and, not and, and when I said not, allowed, you can do whatever you want, but I have to delete the you video. Have to deal or, with or, that. <laughs> or not yeah. stream it. And that is a rule that we established at Black Hills Information Security in the year 1300. And it's still present <laughs> today. Because <laughs> that's, that's the way we roll here. Well, uh, there will be one day where I like, John, go ahead and say whatever you want. But you're like, are we streaming? Not yeah, day. sure. Sure, John, we're streaming. Yeah, everything's <laughs> on. It's all working yep. properly. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> You're holding up a potato for him to talk into. Like, right here. I just have this vision that, that Jason gets talked to by other marketing departments and they're like, so the owner of your company, is he trying to go out of business? <laughs> it kind of seems like he's trying to go out of business. So. He's not not trying to go out of he's business. He's not, not trying. It's, uh, he tries. All right. All right, everybody. Uh, Before you go, KTRU, thanks for following. Destroy Worlds, thanks for following. We are on Twitch. We're on Antsy Siphons Twitch, and we'll be back. We will be back tomorrow. We will be back tomorrow, same time, same place. Um, We have some address space layout randomization goodness lined up for you all. Um, And then Wednesday, we have a special couple of guest speakers. That's going to be a lot of fun. So we'll see you all then. All right. Bye bye. Bye, guys. Yep, yep.